The following podcast has been paid for by Perch on the Top Rope. like to send our thoughts and condolences to the friends and family of Scott Hall. We will now play a 10 bell salute in honor of Scott Hall's career. Welcome everyone to Perched on the Top Rope. It's me, it's me. It's the LWE. I am your host, Lee Walker, former dirt sheet writer from Rinkside News and Sports Kita. I have a very special guest with me today. Joining me from the land down under, I have Ben from Aussie Lucian. Did I say that right? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. How you doing today, man? I'm doing fantastic. Um, what are you on at the moment? Saturday? It is Saturday here, Saturday morning. <laughs> we are here 1.48 a.m. Sunday morning. Oh, man. <laughs> A late night for you. Uh, I, I'm happy to have you on the show. We talked about doing uh, this in the past. Uh, you actually helped us break into the Chartable Top 250 in Australia. Oh, wow. So I thank you for that. Uh, your retweets have been greatly appreciated. And the fans in Australia who listen, thank you for listening. And we really, really enjoy you as fans. We have a, tough, a, a, a somewhat touchy subject today. When I mean somewhat, I mean it's yeah. pretty touchy. You know, like fans were calling this show the heat magnet. This is about the wrestlers who have generated heat within the past week. And within recent months, and we're going to go back into some history at the end with the speaking out movement that took place in 2020. Ben, this week we saw quite a bit of news involving wrestling. And as of last night, a certain MLW New Japan pro wrestler is many hours ago. Yeah, he's he's now in the limelight, as I would like to say. Danny Limelight. I was trying so hard not to make that joke in our group chat. <laughs> uh, so, not to make light of the situation, but Danny Limelight is in the news for all the wrong reasons right now. Again, as I said, he's part of MLW, part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. He's been seen on AEW Dark. This comes from a fan named Eli, who actually follows us. He was sent an explicit nude video from Danny Limelight, where Limelight pulls his pants down and then flicks 
flicks him off. And when he pulls his pants down, obviously he, he exposes himself. And uh, yeah, wow. Pretty ballsy move. Uh, one thing I had noticed while researching into this was when Eli the fan, I'm not going to promote his Twitter handle or anything. I don't know if he wants anything like that. So we'll, we'll leave that private. Um, he had shared the video uh, uh, of Danny Limelight. Limelight had fired back and he said, y'all goofy if you think I sent that. Tell him to post the DMs. Well, guess what? Eli posted the DMs. He sent them. Yeah, did you read the DMs? By any uh, chance? I did. I actually saved the DMs because I believe the tweets have been deleted since. But if I go up, we have the DMs right here. And it's basically all Danny. It it does seem, credit where credit's due, it does seem like he has been hacked. Because apparently he had an OnlyFans. Because I actually Googled Danny Limelight and one of the tweets Google promoted was, looks like my um, OnlyFans has been hacked again. But yeah, it said, tip me, cash app, dollar, Danny Limelight, Venmo, just type that in with the little up arrow. Thank you. And this is over the space of like six or seven messages. Tip me. If you want to see more, you can pay me via cash app Venmo to see more than what you want. I'll believe it when I see you. Ha ha ha. Still by this point, Eli hasn't responded. Don't get mad. And even the spellings in some of these is just atrocious. And by I think it's October 27th, he replied, reporter and the Twitter community will help you and I'm help you. And he's like, what a waste of time. Venmo, Cash Up, Zelle, PayPal, send your number. But now we're up to about December 9th. Send your number. I text it to you on WhatsApp. And then as of 12.02 a.m. Sunday time, which I believe is Eastern, sell you a table at the club. So does he own a club or something? Right? I, I have no idea. I, I did look at Danny Limelight's Twitter account, and there was a video of him, like, at a club. I don't know if he's, like, a club promoter or, like, owns one, like you had said. Uh, it does seem like he had been hacked, but if the one thing that caught my eye was the dates and times of the messages. Mm. And, you know, if you're, you, you're hacked you would think at some point you would catch it. And it doesn't seem like if he's hacked that, that he was caught, like he didn't catch it, but like you had read the dates and the times and everything. And, yeah. and even in Eli's original tweet, he said this first happened like a couple months back. Yeah. So we're going back as far as September 27th last year. So I mean, is it possible he was hacked and then, He's caught it and thought he's got rid of it, and someone keeps rehacking it. Yeah, I mean, time will tell. I I, I did watch the video. Yeah. So I mean, as far as like, if it was not a hack, it would explain why he flicked the camera off at the end, like a, an, an fu for you know not sending tips or money or something. 
it wasn't the middle finger though. He didn't like um, flick the camera off. He like put this the index finger up like that. Like, oh, was it? Oh, do I like? It was more of a sexual come here. Oh, it's like. There was, like, a distracting part of the video, to be honest with you, where I thought it was the middle finger, because, like, I... That, yeah, well, I thought the same thing. But yeah. It looks like, the way he did it very intimately, it looks like someone had saved the video from his OnlyFans, in theory. Not that I'm agreeing that he'd been hacked, but in theory, save the video, get into the account that you've just hacked, and then send the video. Yeah. Yeah. So it is possible what i'm still on the fence whether it did or didn't happen yeah i'm i'm on the fence with it too especially like when you look at all the the dms and mm. and the fan would not responding type deal and then like you said there's spelling errors that are like all right this is pretty bad usually when you see these hacks things aren't spelt right or uh the grammar itself is completely incorrect missing words or misuse of words so it, it's it's a hundred percent possible that he's been hacked but for all intents purposes danny also tweeted my only fans videos are making rounds again on twitter this is why yeah. i deleted it he says videos what I saw. He, plural this is the only one i've seen so far so if there's more then there's more to the story than, than we know as of right now. But yeah. as of right now, it's only been the one video. And I mean, it's not the first time we've seen a video of a wrestler get sent, on, sent around on the internet. Like we saw the whole, what was it, Xavier Woods and Page? Yep, with, uh, yep, with Brad Maddox. And, and then, you know, Page and Alberto Del Rio. Mm. These hacks happen a lot. But for all intents and purposes, Danny Limelight right now is a heat magnet. Yep. Agreed. Whether it's hacks or not, right now he's a heat magnet for, for all of this happening. And, and we're playing bias, which we should be, because we don't, we, again, we don't know the full details. We just know the video was sent from his account. There was texting going on in DMs. That possibility of a hack is there. We don't know. We'll find out as the story progresses. Yeah, and hopefully we do get some more information because it's not that we want to be snoopy or anything, but we'd rather have the full details before any judgments made. Yeah. A lot of people are already jumping on the bandwagon. And I hate to say it like you just don't know the full story. Why make a judgment and go after someone? Is if they are innocent, you could potentially ruin someone's career. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about careers being ruined in a little bit from a lot of what we're talking about today. Yeah. You know, and speaking of careers, yesterday Triple H announced that he was retiring from in-ring competition uh, due to the heart issues that he had and the fact that he's got a defibrillator now after having surgery and, and having a viral ammonia and, and everything that it affected with him, everyone had a lot of positivity towards Triple H and, and tweeting at him. 
one person it. Oh, 100% he deserves it. 100%. I was at work when I read that, and I just stopped. I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm just reaching up to my heart like, oh, no, that you just felt for it. Yeah, and especially, I'm like, prime example. I just had surgery Wednesday. Mm. You know, when you get put under, it's always a a thing of, am I going to wake up? Even if it's a small procedure. Like, it, 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 it... it does something up here mentally. And even after you have surgery, it still like affects you up here. Cause there's, you know, there's pain, there's this, there's that you're, you're, you're limited on things you can do for a little while. It affects, it affects you up here. So everything he was taught, triple H was talking about on ESPN uh, first take with Steven Smith. I can relate to I've shoulder surgeries two on my stomach I got 20 stitches inside my jaw right now. It doesn't feel pretty, but I'm here. So I, I can relate with the, with the surgery and everything that he's talking, especially like he has kids. So he was like, and, and they're young. Yeah. You I know, it, that. he tweeted that as well. Yeah. And, you know, uh, 11, 13 and 15, his daughters are. And, and he's, and he said that they've, you know, always looked up to dad and, and, you know, now dad is, you know, he's not the big strong guy. He's going in for surgery. You don't know the outcome, you know, and it, it had, you know, and I don't blame him. I, I, I'd be just as nervous, especially with it being a heart procedure. And he was worried that he wouldn't be there for his girls. And he openly tweeted that and like, you heart just poured out for him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, no matter the situation, whether you like the guy or don't like the guy, it, it, it was a heart-wrenching moment to read those tweets and to listen to him on ESPN First Take. Mm. There's one person in particular that seemingly didn't care or seemed to throw positive in with negative at the same time. He's currently trending on Twitter right now, and of course we're talking about Ryback. Oh. I'm actually curious if he's, if he's still trending. Because when I found out he was trending, it was, what, about an hour ago? I'm, I'm pretty sure he's, he's still trending. Uh, no, he's dropped. He was oh. trending number 30 in the United States, but he's dropped off the charts. Oh, well, seemingly and rightfully so, to be honest with you. This is a- enough, sorry, uh, ironically enough, trending at number 17 is Goldberg. Oh. Okay. That's a whole different show. (laughs) Uh, That's if we want to do a show on injuring people. Uh, That's another for another show, though. So we're talking about my jacks? (laughs) Botchkara? You know, there's a lot of them out there. We'll do heat magnets. Now next show can be um, botch magnets. Uh, so Ryback tweets out, you ended up being the biggest disappointment for me personally from loving you growing up, but I wish you well in retirement and future good health. Hashtag HHH, hashtag Triple H, hashtag Ryback, hashtag retirement. And then he adds Triple H. Um, this is like a backhanded compliment all day. Oh, yeah. You know, you're wishing the man good luck, but at the same time, you're telling him, you disappointed me. 
I don't know how you can tweet that and feel good about yourself to, you know, to be honest. I don't know where the disappointment's coming from. That's what's got me baffled. Yeah. And I'll share a personal story about Ryback because I, I shared it in a group chat. I've met Ryback. I used to do writing for bodybuilding.com. I used to do reviews of supplements and things like that. So when Ryback and I were talking face to face, it was more about promoting his supplement line to do a, a, a podcast. We got our phones out, followed each other, DM'd each other in person so that we would know, so he would know that what we were talking about. Went to schedule the interview, everything seemed great. And then all of a sudden he unfollows me. I don't know why whatever reason interview ends up never happening and then today i post about doing this and instantly blocked so ryback is going out there and checking who's hashtagging him and if it's negative he's blocking it and really my my tweet said nothing negative uh, it said who knows it could just be the fact that you tagged in in general on anything that can draw attention yeah so I didn't, I didn't like the tweet that he had, that he had posted and, and rightfully so. However, it gets more interesting because Ryback then goes and tweets at Twitter and Paraga. I, I don't know what that is to be honest with you, but Ryback wrote, uh, Hey, Twitter and Paraga, I wanted to promote this tweet, but you've blocked me from doing so. Why is that? Remember negative marks, there is much more to this than your limited thinking can process. So now he's going after fans in a negative way, referring to fans as negative marks. And, you know, William Regal just tweeted about the term mark in general, that he doesn't use it, doesn't like it, thinks it's negative. Here we're now getting a double negative out of Ryback. He wants to promote a negative tweet while referring to fans in a negative manner. This man's losing all around at this point. So who's negative now, Ryback, realistically? He's been for many years. Yeah. He seems like a bitter man who is seemingly just angry that he lost his job. Nothing I mean, against Bret Hart, but that's what it, it reminds me of Bret Hart a little bit. Well, you could almost say the same about um, Gail Kim. Although, she, yeah, she has, I don't know if you'd call it beef or bitterness, but she doesn't seem bitter. She just doesn't seem to agree with WWE. And I mean, at the end of the day with her, I see it as an opinion. With Ryback, I see it as, he's just, I don't know, he's being a jerk, to put it nicely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then basically he kind of finished out tweeting at Triple H with this. Did Caitlin wish at Triple H well today? Maybe a text. Obviously there's hitting context there, which maybe is why he's saying that there, there's more to this than, and I quote, your limited thinking can process. Mm. So maybe there's more to what he was saying there, but. The thing between to by Caitlin. Do you, you remember AJ Lee and Caitlin in WWE? Also, it is that Caitlin. I, I'm pretty sure it's that Caitlin. 
I, it's the only Caitlyn I would I would know that he could refer no, to. Assumed, unless there's some hidden Caitlyn that no one knows about. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm 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 thinking of because I'm like, well, did something happen between WWE's Caitlyn and Triple H when she was there? Uh, is this a he didn't tag her mm. on on Twitter, so it could be a a uh, a mysterious Caitlyn that has nothing to do with wrestling at all. That's what I'd assume, because if it was WWE's Caitlyn and Triple H having, I don't know, some intimate relationship or something like that, she hasn't been with WWE since, what, 2015? Yeah. So that's about seven years ago now, and there's no way something like that with someone as big as Triple H would have been hidden for seven years. Yeah, and, and then the other thing is, like, with all this tweeting that he's been doing, if it's been that, if it is that Caitlin and it's been that long, why are you bringing it up now? Mm. You know, like it seems like a real attention getting tweet in my opinion. Yeah. But then again, all those tweets that we just talked about are attention getting. Oh, and yeah. obviously he got what he wanted because he ended up trending on Twitter. It's Ryback's way of tr trying to stay relevant. Yeah, I mean, that's the reason he is relevant is because he just says some stupid crap. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, it's. I'll say this about Ryback: the supplement company that he has is a good company. It's mm. from a lifter standpoint. It's good. He uses grass-fed beef. It's all organic. He does like. He doesn't use artificial sweeteners and fillers and things like that. He does a really good job with the supplement company, and I'll give him kudos to that. I will. But the wrestling aspect and how he talks, why be negative when someone's already having a hard enough time? I can't imagine it was easy for Triple H to have to sit there and, and say what he was saying on national television. To, to Stephen Smith on ESPN for all the fans to hear. And, and as we said, as fans, yeah, it was gut-wrenching to, to read the tweets and, and to listen to him uh, talk about his family and, and, and not being sure of waking up and being there for his daughters anymore and being there for his family and being the support that they need. So this, to me, it's just, Ryback got what he wanted, and uh, here we are talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like... We keep saying don't give him the satisfaction by talking about it, but man, such a good conversation. Yeah. I mean, it... It, it is what it is, realistically. Um, yeah. I'm, not a, I'm not a fan of Ryback on the wrestling side. The supplement company, I'm a fan of, again, trying to remain biased on this but if it's wwe caitlin and you're bringing up stuff seven eight even ten years ago come on and it's stuff we don't know about and now it's going to pique people's interest to want to dig into it and at some point i would expect ryback is going to talk about it whether it's on his twitch channel or a youtube video or on his podcast or something like that and it's going to draw people to go listen to him and it's going to put him back in the news again. Yeah. Again, it's anything to stay relevant, I guess. 
but you're doing it for wrong reasons. And for that, Ryback, you're a heat magnet. So you know, I got another. I got another interesting one for you. Yeah. Start of 2022. Well, at least for me, for you, it was the end of 2021 because it crossed over onto the new year. It happened the day of um, Rampage, which fell on the last day of the year. Mm -hmm. For you, first day of the year for me, back when WWE had day one. Tony and Big Swole. Oh, yeah. That drew some real heat. Yeah. Yes, it did. That that really did. I, I mean, and there's something to be said, and I talked about this on episode 75 here on, on Perched on the Top Rope. And it primarily had to do with Eric Bischoff tweeting about his first class meal on Delta being crap, and he shows a photo of it. I'm very big on working your problems out with whoever it is, whether it be face-to-face, -face, over the phone, a Zoom conversation, however you can do it. Yeah, Going to social media and just putting someone on blast, to me, it's always the, an intention-seeking thing. Mm. But even like Powerhouse Hobbs had said, you guys couldn't pick up a phone and talk to each other that way? I, like, I remember it. Ben, if you could, I, I don't remember all the details. Could you fill me in a little bit? Because like, I remember like it being so, a huge ordeal. It got um, something to do with him saying he, she'd be, her contract had expired and they'd been let go. And it got blown, for me personally, I thought it was blown out of proportion. They, um, racism was brought into it and... Yes, yes. Not once did Tony mention anything about race, but they turned it into race because Tony came out and said, I don't think you're, or oh, we let her go. We didn't renew her contract because she's not a good wrestler. Basically, he criticized her publicly on Twitter and racism was thrown left, right, and center. And then they were saying, oh, you shouldn't be telling an employee they're not good at their job. And I'm like, okay, so are they getting up him because he's criticized an employee or because he's being racist? And it's like they couldn't make up their minds. They were just looking for a reason to attack him. Yes. I remember now she had done an interview, and I think it was on Fightful. And Tony had read it, and that's where his comments came from because she had said something negative about Tony in the interview in AEW. Because originally, when both parties had posted, it was they had mutually parted ways. Mm. And then she went and did this interview, and it seemingly seems that at this point, now it's not a mutual release. And then he fires back after seeing the interview, well, she wasn't that good of a wrestler anyway type deal. Now, now it like refreshes my mind. And then I remember race being brought into it, and we even talked about this on an episode of what's going to happen with the TBS championship. Will Jade Cargill win it? If she does, will fans view it because Big Swole spoke out about racism within AEW and black wrestlers not getting a big push? And then there was the guy in For uh, who writes for Forbes. Yeah. 
who is always bashing on AEW for not having top African-American talent. And his name is Alfred. I just don't remember his last name. And not like now it's all refreshed my memory. And after that powerhouse Hobbs had, had commented, this company has been there for me. They were there when my mom passed away for me. Uh, I've done great things in this company. I thank Tony Khan. There's no reason why you guys couldn't pick up a phone and handle this that way. I like that. I remember. So yeah, that was, that was another situation where it blew up and it blew up for all the wrong reasons. I think. I don't think the IWC could make up their minds of was it racism or was it a boss bullying their staff? And even then, he basically he defended himself on Twitter. Myself being a boss, if I had my staff come and attack me on social media, I'm going to defend myself. It's just human instinct to defend yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Like salty fans just looking for a reason to bash AEW. And I wouldn't even, it wasn't even AEW fans, it was WWE fans. Yeah. And we see a lot with wrestlers and everything that in this professional sport, pro wrestling fans, or you can call them sports entertainment fans, however you want to, I'm, I'm pro wrestling. They're toxic. Let's let's be realistic. You know, MLW or not MLW. I'm sorry. I'm talking uh, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL. All those professional sports, they're under one league. And then you have your favorite team that you follow, and then you just don't like the other teams. You know, that's fine. Wrestling is different. Wrestling, it's not just under one brand you have all these different brands wwe aew mlw new japan pro wrestling impact impact ring of honor Honor. you have you know all these different wrestling and then all the various independent promotions as well they're not all under one league so like you follow that one company and like the wrestlers are like the teams in that company you like the the certain wrestlers that you like and then the rest is boo but if you like that one company and, and you can like other companies as well, but we see a lot of wrestling fans, well, I'm a diehard to this company. That company is crap. And it's just back and forth banter, crapping on each other and stuff like that. We're our own worst enemies, realistically. You know, and then like when it comes to stuff like this that we're talking about, you get those who are defending the wrestlers because they like that wrestler. Mm. And it doesn't matter if they did right or wrong. And then you have the fans that if they, you know, they did, did wrong that want to see that wrestler no longer within wrestling and, and crap on them for all eternity, for all intents purposes. We see it all the time. Exactly. And I like Tony Khan saying, Oh, I don't think, um, they were a good wrestler. Okay, yes, it can be seen as unprofessional, but at the end of the day, is it? Are you not going to tell your staff they're bad at their job? Is that not a normal thing for a boss to do? I mean, I told my staff the other day, I think your attitude stinks, and if it doesn't improve, don't bother coming back. 
Like, yeah, yeah, it may be harsh, but it's part of being a boss. You tell your staff how it is. You don't sugarcoat it because otherwise they just don't learn. Yeah. I, I ironically had the same thing that you had happened the other day. I got told I have a bad attitude and it needs to change. I'm actually like my own boss. And this came from my brother because it's a, it's a family business. We all have a stake in it. And he was, and he's the one who told me, he goes, you got a bad attitude and needs to change. And I sat there and I was like, okay, wow. I didn't see that coming, you know, but, uh, you can't, you can't take criticism personally like that. And Tony Khan took it personally. Hence his comments. So Tony Khan, because you can't take criticism, you are a heat magnet. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't mean to laugh, but like, I, when I think back to it, I don't know how race got brought into it at all between Big Swall and Tony Khan. Because, you know, she brought up the lack of diversity in wrestling and he's sitting there going, what are you talking about? Powerhouse Hobbs. He basically. He's like, do you not realize I'm Brown? When he said that, he's like, I'm Brown. You know, like people that had been shown on television, but I think they were trying to go, oh, you haven't had black champions. Yeah. People who are getting five minute matches. Because they're not getting pushed as hard as you see in Punk, your MJFs, your Chris Jericho's. And I'm just like, hold on. And this was my little stab in the dark argument as a joke. You're getting up because he's promoting all the American wrestlers. Or they want to go about diversity. Just because you don't have, say, race diversity doesn't mean he's not doing diversity. You've had, um, what was it? You've had who, Britt Baker, you've had um, the TBS champion who is Jay Fads. I then brought Kenny Omega into it. Like, what about Kenny Omega? I'm like, well, he's not American. He's Canadian. Yeah. And then I'm like, and then me being the smart ass that I am, I'm like, well, it's not, diversity isn't just about race. You can say it's also about sexuality. Kenny Omega's, I don't even know what Kenny Omega is bisexual I'm assuming or something or other I mean he was off in New Japan a couple of years ago making out with um, Kota Ibushi yeah I mean just look at what their tag team name was the Golden look, at, look at what their finishing maneuver was it was hilarious it was called the Golden Shower it was a double 450 splash by the both of them at the same, simultaneously oh I love it the first time I saw it I actually had to rewatch it because it was like a four second clip of them doing it. And from the angle, they were so in tune. I didn't even see Kota Ibushi until the end. Like I just didn't see him. I saw Kenny and then Kota's like right next to him, but they in tune with that finishing move. So don't have to look that up. I, I got to agree. I agree with you that it's not just about race when you talk about diversity. Your women's champion, Thunder Rosa, you know, there's a, a, another prime example, Jade Cargill, you know. So if you want to talk diversity in wrestling, he's, he's 100% diverse. You're, you're not going to tell me otherwise. Yeah. 
So I, like, I don't know where any of that came from, but it was there. And as much as I said, Tony Khan, you're a heat magnet. So is the IWC. <laughs> yeah. Big Swall, you're a heat magnet. That race yeah. had nothing. To, race had nothing to do with it. I think realistically, and, and like Tony Khan, and even he he ran down the list of his roster and even included himself in in the staff behind the scenes. Mm. You know, so Brandy Rhodes, another diverse person. And yeah, she gets she gets hated on when she gets pushed. Yeah, I I don't know why. The only thing when it came to her that kind of had me a little baffled was we know she has money you know her and cody we know there's money there and when she you know they've had her on tv and there's times like i feel like aw kind of didn't know what to do with her because at first they they kept her separate from cody and she had like this kind of dark character yeah and then after like she would come down to the ring, like with the whole Dan Lambert thing that was going on. You got like, you got, yeah, you got like a different, like I'm a badass, don't mess with me kind of thing, mm. which, which was great. And, and with them leaving the company, I was kind of disappointed because I wanted to see what was going to happen between Brandy and Dan. It's like just an unfinished story. Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And now it seems like Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti are taking Cody and Brandy spot feuding with Dan and them. But yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up with Big Swollen Tony Khan because I, I, it's not that I forgot about it, but I had forgotten certain aspects of what had happened there because that was a big one. And, and mm -hmm. she was like the first one that really went at Tony Khan and then Leo Rush joined in. If you remember, yeah, the man who wears his welcome out everywhere he goes. Nothing against the man, but he speaks his mind, and when you speak your mind a little too much, it can get you in trouble, and that's what we yeah. see every time with Leo Rush. The timing of that whole um, Tony Khan, Big Small situation, like right on New Year's, that was just a tough time for the whole IWC because not only were we dealing with that, but we were dealing with the untimely passing of Betty White. Oh, my God. Yeah, she was a couple weeks away from her 100th birthday. You know you've lived a great life and you're an icon when you die at 99 and everyone's saying you died too soon. Yeah, and, you know, a former host of WWE Raw, everybody loved Betty White. Everybody, everyone knew Betty White. If you didn't even watch the Golden Girls, you knew who Betty White was. Oh yeah, hot in Cleveland, hands down. I've yeah, <laughs> that was a good show too. I like that show. I went and watched it. I, I I might have to actually now that I think about it. But getting getting back on track with this heat magnet show that we're doing, and those who have generated heat. In, in recent times here in the pro wrestling world. Our next one comes from things that happen during the speaking out movement. And certain aspects are now being brought to light when it comes to Velveteen Dream. 
Patrick Clark. Patrick had done an interview with the Dishing Drama podcast where he talks about what in his mind cost him his job in WWE and exactly what had happened. I'm going to read some quotes that are from Velveteen Dream in that interview. Josh Fuller was the one that decided to show up on social media with his bullshit allegations. He started the hashtag fire Velveteen Dream and that's what it cost me. Well, first of all, I think they got my nude, my personal private picture. I think they got it from someone off the internet. I'm trying to get laid like everybody else. I am not going to sit here and try and represent myself well. Essentially, I sent a dick pic over Tinder. Not just Tinder, but there are plenty of dating apps out there. And again, I'm trying to get laid like everybody else. But it's important to understand that I am not sending this to anyone on Reddit. I am not sending this to anyone underage. And I am most certainly not using my verified social media that is only to represent my WWE character to solicit anything from anyone. Whatever it may be, sex, money, it doesn't matter. I found that kind of eye-opening a little bit because mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't hear wrestlers just flat out saying, yeah, I'm trying to get laid like everybody else. I do agree with him on the aspect that yeah, using a, the verified social media that represents your WWE character to do that stuff. Mm. But we did see that one of the people, because there was a, a young male and a young female, I don't remember which one, but there was a voice message sent in a DM asking how old the person was. And it was Velveteen's voice. It was. I remember listening to it. As much as he denies it, I don't remember if he had said that he had been hacked at all or anything like that, but this, that's what happened. And then uh, the company WWE had seemingly tried to find new ways to use him as the speaking out movement was going on. Mm. And Velveteen talks about it. And he says, just so you know, WWE definitely considered bringing me in with a mask and having me not speak. So I haven't definitely had some ideas in the back of my pocket for something like that. Like he's trying to come back into wrestling. And we've seen it where indie promotions have tried to book him and fans have had an uproar of trying to book him and they cancel. Uh, when it came to the allegations that were made against him, you know, they didn't, WWE didn't want him to mention anything on camera, as he says. And, he's, and, and Velveteen says, I wanted to address it. WWE didn't even want me to touch it. But I felt like if you're going to be on TV in this day and age, you have to at least shed some type of light on it. You don't have to go into detail, but you should definitely address it because you don't, because you do have that audience that is going to always want an answer. 
And I agree with that, but they still didn't have him address it. But Riddle addressed his situation. And we can get to that yeah, later. That was really weird. Yeah. Um, he also stated WWE and Triple H had found nothing as far as allegations were concerned, but the young man that involved that what a nude was sent to Josh Fuller had admitted that WWE had never contacted him. Now I remember when all this was going on and they even had WWE even had Velveteen dream wrestle a few matches. I don't know how well they blocked out the fire Velveteen dream chance or the signs really for that matter. Again, this is seemingly another one of those situations where it was, I was hacked type deal. He's claiming that the photo was from Tinder and put on Reddit and things like that. I've seen wrestlers on, on Tinder before, like Braun Strowman, before he got in a relationship and everything like that. He was on Tinder. People have found his profile. If you're that high caliber of a star, knowing that hacks happen, especially to, to wrestlers, athletes, other forms of entertainers, I guess the real question is, should you be doing that in general? Should you be taking nudes and sending nudes and stuff like that? Knowing, even if it is Tinder and a dating app or this or that, if people know who you are and they save that photo that can cause trouble later on which he is saying that this is that's what happened here i'm those, i don't know it's i think at the same time another probably not the greatest comparison in the world but they go oh when say um guys sexually harass girls or whatever you want to call it. They go, oh, well, maybe the girls shouldn't be wearing the short skirts and whatnot. I'm like, why are you criticizing them when they're not the ones doing wrong? Exactly. And you know what? I, I am so glad you brought that up. I have seen a thousand times where a guy tries to go get a, pick up a girl and the girl denies him and then he's slut-shaming the female. Yeah. You know, like, like you were just calling her beautiful and buying her drinks. Now she's a whore and you want nothing to do with her. Does that make sense in your mind? It doesn't mind. That's a, I'm not getting what I want, so I'm going to lash out. Exactly. You know, in a lot of these circumstances that we're talking about, it's all men. It's, it's all men. There are women that have caused some issues that we will talk about. Like apparently Paige's mom. Uh, Jim uh, Cornette and his wife. Enzo Amore. E Enzo. You know, so... The woman there that costed him his job. Yeah, uh, Philonoma, I believe her name was. I actually interviewed her for Ringside News about it. That was 2018. And that interview actually dropped the day he dropped his first recording track. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was interesting. She, I'll tell you this, she, when she found out he was doing 
getting in rap in this, she was telling me she was doing the same thing. Everything he was doing, she was doing, she was saying. Um, for Enzo, it was found out that it was not a sexual assault. Police were involved and they found there was no wrongdoing. Things were consensual. Uh, she did admit and in dirt sheets and everything at the time, she'd been arrested. She had issues from mental issues to substance abuse issues. I think when she realized who he was, this was her way to get money and extort. Mm. She was looking for that five seconds of fame. Yeah. That's seemingly what I, f I, I, I truly believe. Yeah. Uh, this is admitted that as well. And, and this is after having spoken to her. And like I said, everything that I had said in the interview that he was doing, she was firing back. Well, I'm, I'm getting in the rap game too. And I'm going to be coming out with an album and this and that. And now I don't, now you hear nothing about her anymore. Mm. Like it's, it's done and over with, but, it cost somebody a job. I mean, technically what costed him his job wasn't that, but he kept it hidden. He yeah. It was the, it was, he didn't, it was the fact that he didn't go to WWE over it and let them know, yeah. you know, they had to find out through, through third party. Social media. Yeah. So he had wrongdoing on his own, Mm. But it was more of him trying to handle the situation himself rather than going to WWE and saying, hey, look, this is what's going on. Obviously, there must have been a fear there that he was going to lose his job, but he lost his job anyway for not telling them what was going on. Mm. And he had other issues anyway, if I remember correctly. Like, he wasn't even allowed to change in the locker room, you know, bringing his friends around and his friends are taking photos backstage and things like that. It is what it is. I've met Enzo a couple times. Go ahead. No, I was going to say he got, from what I understood, Roman Reigns kicked him off the boss. Yeah. Yeah. And there was that too. Um, I've spoken to Enzo a couple of times. I've never brought up that I'm the one who interviewed Philonoma or any of that. He seems like a good guy. You see, like, yeah. you know, he can talk. He does like wrestling. Cause like when we talked, he doesn't watch really the modern day product. He watches back from Dusty Rhodes days. That's mm. the wrestling he likes to watch. So, I, you know, I found that interesting. He had nothing but good things to say about Dusty Rhodes, which, which was great to hear. As far as Enzo and this, we don't hear anything about it anymore because it was one of the ones that were actually cleared up and found that there was no wrongdoing on his end, at least aside from not going to the proper channels and letting them know what had happened. Yeah. And uh, although not long after, didn't him and Big Cass or W. Morrissey, now current W. Morrissey, didn't they try to invade one of the Ring of Honor Supercard shows with NJPW? Was that yeah. scripted or was that an actual them trying to invade it? I think it was part of the show. Mm, it had to be. 
you know, because like it was, it was, it was involving a match with like the Dudleys and they jumped the rail and then basically it was just Enzo and big Cass got beat up mm. type deal. I do remember that, but it was, uh, it was a WWE pay-per-view. I want to say it was in New York. Um, like the bar series. Yes. Where he got in like the second or third mm-hmm. row. It was between, I believe, Brock Lesnar and it was either Brock Lesnar and Daniel Bryan or Brock Lesnar and AJ Styles. I can't remember what year it was. It was a yeah. Brock Lesnar master. It was like, I want to say 2019, maybe. Yeah, that sounds right. So that would have been the second. So it would have been Brock Lesnar, Daniel Bryan. Yeah. And that was one hell of a match. Oh my God. Yeah, it was. And, and Enzo, like, kept himself covered and then you know had his hood up and everything and when the time was right he busted out jumped on a chair doing his stuff and they kicked him out as as per wwe and they're trying to avoid giving the attention they did what they do best and drive the cameras away yeah yeah you know they didn't want all eyes on on enzo and he got booted pretty quick from what I understand. But, you know, that's, again, a whole different story. I'm, I'm personally, like, that one, you don't see many of these actually, like, get cleared up or, you know, end up with the whole story. And just like uh, the speaking out movement that happened in 2020, that all started with Re- Rebecca Crow, or not Rebecca Crow. That was that was with uh, Jimmy Havoc, an, an incident where with emotional and verbal abuse. And Jimmy Havoc is, you know, at the time was in AEW, and they sent him to therapy. And now he's not even part of pro wrestling anymore. Just like some of the other guys in the speaking out movement, like Joey Ryan, who again had the most allegations against him. I believe uh, he's had something to do with pro wrestling recently. Yeah, Joey Ryan's like trying to get back into pro wrestling. As far as I know, Jimmy Havoc, the last I knew, was back home working at some sort of department store, like not like a Target, but like an electronic store or something along those lines. You know, so th- these movements do put quite the hurt and there's one thing i i i want to touch on that definitely that that happened which was on june 22nd where sammy guevara was on the whole f and shows podcast and, and he makes the joke we're at a wwe tryout or something he had seen Sasha Banks and he had made a, a sexual joke, like, you know, saying, Oh, I'd rape that type deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, th- and this was, this was before he was in AEW. It was like 2016 or something like that, that these comments were even made. Yeah. You know, obviously the comments came out later and he had to undergo sensitivity training with AEW. AEW took that stuff very seriously. I mean, a lot of the companies did, but AEW went, I feel like, above and beyond making them do sensitivity training, therapy, and things like that before they could even come back into the company. So Sammy was gone for a while, and 
he and Sasha had even cleared, cleared things up, you know, talking to each other about it. And he had apologized and then it, that it was wrong. The only thing that bothers me about the whole situation is, yeah, you know, he used the term rape. He could have used a totally different word. Like, yeah, I would have loved to have hit that or something along those lines. Yeah. G- guy talk, that, it was, guy talk essentially, but it's just the fact that I used the word right. Yeah, he used the word rape, which he should he should if he if he would have used a different word, I would have said yeah, it's guy talk all day type deal. But you use the wrong verbiage, and that's mm-hmm. where you know trouble becomes. So he he does all everything that he's told, you know, and apologized to Sasha and this and that. I'm I'm happy that he did all that, and he went he he did everything that he was supposed to. Where I get a little upset now is he gets engaged to his girlfriend on TV back in October. Then by December, he's dating Ty Conti and it's all respect our privacy, this and that. But now they're using the relationship as a storyline on television. And even in a way that again, like a bad manner we saw on, on Wednesday with Dan Lambert kissing the title and Sammy Guevara goes, Oh, well, considering we live rent-free in your head, you have no idea what we've done with that belt. We're in your mouth also. Yeah, and then Ty Conti posts a photo of her and Sammy naked in bed. And they're they're covered with the body. you You know, the private parts aren't shown or anything. And there's the championship belt. So... They got mad at fans about respecting privacy and this and that, but since they're going to get paid to do this stuff, now it's okay. Like to me, it's a catch twenty-two and not okay. How do you feel about that? I haven't watched Dynamite probably in maybe three or four weeks. Like I generally read the Bleacher Report for the grades and all that because mm-hmm. I think it's Doctor Chris Mueller does the reports for, it, but. I generally, if I can't um, watch it live, sometimes if I'm in the mood for it, I'll watch it depending on how big your work day is. The only thing I'll go back and watch regardless of if it's live or not is Impact. Anything else is either maybe I'll re-watch three plays that way I can skip through the bad parts. Mm-hmm. But just hearing that, like, what the using the belt for sexual jokes, like, dude, there's kids that watch that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's a reason why WWE goes the PG era route because the, the children would, you know, think about it, action figures, the video games, the merchandise and stuff like that. For kids, it's a big seller. I mean, here I, here I am 37 with this studio. I look like the 40-year-old virgin, but that's another story. <laughs> Me and my mind came back when I lived in Murrumbah. Um, I called it the mines. Yeah. I know what you mean. I like 30 looking like the 40 year old version but <laughs> it's not just that kids are curious like can you imagine being a parent and having a kid come home going mommy can i play with my toy bell like semi Guevara did yeah or, or or being a parent watching that with your child and then your kid looks at you and go what's he talking about what what's that mean to the bell and i'm like how do you explain that like even as an adult i'm just like I don't want to know what they did with the belt. The fact that I know they did something like Yeah. 
And, and then, like I said, and then Ty Conti posts that video or that that photo on Twitter. They're both in, in bed on their sides. The belt is like around, kind of like her waist, but sitting like mm. this way. He's got his arm around her. All the privates are covered type deal, but they're naked in bed and there's the title. It was like them showing off like, oh yeah, we said we said that we're in your mouth also, but we're going to give you a sneak peek as to like what we meant by it. And the only thing when I thought about it was I was like, all right, this is pretty hypocritical, number one. And mm -hmm. I, again, I'm not sure, like I know they're now they're using it for a storyline. But before they started using that stuff as a storyline, they were legitimately upset about fans and their relationship and fans talking yeah. about their relationship. So again, now you're, but now they're getting paid and they're openly talking about the, the relationship and where I noticed that it was going to, where, where the relationship would play a part on, on TV was two weeks ago on dynamite when Sammy Guevara lost the champion, the TNT championship to Scorpion sky. Um, he missed that uh, six thirty table spot on the outside. Yeah. And Ty Conti came running out to like check on him and stuff. And I sat there and I was like, all right, they're going to start playing the relationship in a storyline. And I sat there and I was like, fans got ridiculed for not minding their privacy and this and that but now you're going to play it in a storyline because you're getting paid to. I'm indifferent on that. How did you feel back in, I think, 2007, I think it was, Edge and Lidl? I was, I was like 24 when that went on. And when I had realized that it was a real life storyline, especially with them firing Matt Hardy over it. I felt for Matt Hardy. Mm. I did. And I didn't think, I'll say this. I've always been very firm that when it comes to your personal life versus your TV life, off screen, they're not Edge and Lita. Off screen, it's Adam Copeland and Amy Dumas. Yeah. I'm sitting here in my head. You're mixing in real life with your storytelling. Because that's the live sex celebration as well. Yeah. And I, me personally, I'm not a fan of using your real life stuff that's going on for professional wrestling. Mm. Prime example with. Uh, Charlotte, when they brought up her brother oh, passing away, yes, I oh, was like, that brutal. Yes, I don't think your personal life should be involved on your TV life. Like prime example, when fans got upset with Uso with his DWIs, he shouldn't be champion. He shouldn't be this. Well, I'll agree that there should be some sort of punishment there. We don't know if WWE made him go to rehab or anything or anything like I, I That's a speculation. I don't know if they did anything like that or if there was any sort of punishment on him at all. 
but your personal life and your TV life, you're two, it's two different people. Mm. One's a character. One's who this person is in real life. As, as again, bringing up sports fans versus wrestling fans, sports fans, the athlete that you see, that's their real name. Yes, they're, they're an athlete and they're different on the court or, you know, playing their sport versus who they are as a person. But it's not an alter ego. It's not a character. It's not this. It's not that. Mm-hmm. Wrestling, we have characters and then who they are in real life. Yeah. We can't, we, we have as fans and the promoters themselves don't make it easy for us to distinguish between characters in real life anymore at this point. And especially with the attitude era when they mixed all sorts of stuff like that. As I say, kayfabe is dead, but at the same time, like I know what you're getting at. Like they need to differentiate between your real life and your wrestler life. And obviously when someone sees you as a fan and goes, Oh my God, you're edge. They don't go, Oh, you're Adam Copeland. Yeah. Also, how do you differentiate when you need to be, which one? Like, because that's like saying, oh, I did this because I'm Velveteen Dream. I was being, I was in character. Yeah. Because that's it, what he was trying to say is, oh, I, when I was helping him, I was helping him as Patrick Starr because I was helping him, or Patrick, whatever his last name is, trying to become a wrestler. And then he's like, oh, but when I was talking to him sexually, I was playing my character because Velveteen Dream is a very sexual character. And the Velveteen character was a very sexual, it was, it was very Prince-like, mm. which I'll say this. I did like the Velveteen Dream character. Patrick Clark is a phenomenal wrestler. I will say that. I'm not taking anything away from that at all. I just realized I called him Patrick Star from SpongeBob. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving that in because it's hilarious. I let it roll. <laughs> Sorry. I got it wrong, but it didn't click. Oh, I said, I was like, yeah, no, um, it's fine. I, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he, there, there needs to be, <laughs> there needs to be a different, you know, be able to differentiate between Patrick Clark and Velveteen Dream. And if you're doing that and you're on social media mixing the two, that's why we see a lot of the times now, like it can be at Alexa Bliss. WWE, but above it's Lexi Kaufman, her real name. Mm. I think if that's what you're going to do, maybe they should let the wrestlers have their own social media as their personal life because they do on Facebook. Guys like Matt Cardona, Brian Myers, they have their own personal Facebooks. A lot of pro wrestlers do. Um, Zion Quinn. Yeah. Because he's on there, he's got his full name on there as Daniel something Vito. Yeah, but but on Twitter, it's like they have to go by their wrestling name because Twitter's the more popular form of social media and, and even Instagram. It's the same thing. You know, if you're going to do that, again, you know, they're posting personal life, but wrestling, you know, wrestling character on there as well. So it's just another thing that makes it hard to differentiate for fans. Wrestlers, personal life versus the, the character. That's, where do you draw the line? Because like it's like they're trying to use their 
um, wrestling character as an excuse to justify bad behavior or a scapegoat. Yeah. And you can't do that. A lot of people don't want to take the blame or the faults for their wrongdoings, which is why a lot of the times the first thing that we see is I was hacked. Mm. Now with a lot of things like what happened to Paige, Charlotte, even Alexa Bliss had something happen as far as like nudes leaked. Yeah. Uh, Victoria, former WWE superstar, had the same issue where Tony Storm. Tony Storm where the nudes get leaked. Which Tony Storm now no longer touches social media at all. Yeah, she has OnlyFans. That's all I know of mm. that she has. But as far as the things with, you know, those leaks and the, and the phones and stuff like that, we, we talked about this earlier. If you know that stuff can happen and knowing what you do for a living and who you are, maybe you shouldn't be doing that. But, you know, just like OnlyFans, it's, for them, it's another way to make money. Now, like, are wrestlers posting nudes on there? Apparently, Danny Limelight was, but like Tony Storm, I don't think is. Jordan Grace, I don't think did. It's more lingerie, photo shoots. I mean, yeah. Selena, Selena De La Renta and Alicia Atute have a joint OnlyFans account, you know, where they're, you know, again, it's lingerie shoots or bathing suit shoots. And they've even like wrestled on there and stuff like that. But you can't. There needs to be, I think, a distinct distinguish between personal life and the wrestling character. And social media does not help that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and again, a lot of the things when it came to the speaking out movement and who we even talked about today when it comes to the heat magnet. It's a lot of guys, but we also know that there's, there's been women involved on the negative side, like Paige's mom. Apparently, you know, she retired when the allegations came out of abusing trainers and the trainees. There was an incident with Jim Cornette and Jim's wife. There's always an incident with Jim Cornette. Yeah, there is. Um, where they were grooming men. I don't want to say forcing them to sleep with his wife, but apparently that had gone on. Jim was very vocal about it when it had happened. So in the whole thing of grooming in itself of, of everything, the fabulous Mula is another one. She was going to have that uh, tournament named after her. And then fans had an uproar having found out that she had prostituted wrestlers out including names like sensational sherry that were in there and they wwe said didn't address all the all the allegations about moolah but they said look we've heard your concerns we're going to change the name and it became the may young classic so there's women out there that are guilty as men wasn't no that was something totally different wasn't it no, what fabulous Moolah was meant to be the women's version of the Andre the Giant Battle Royale. 
And then they scrapped the name altogether and just called it the Women's WrestleMania Battle Royale. Uh, I don't remember now off the top of my head. I, think, I thought it had to do with the, the, the tournament, but I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Which is fine too, but yeah, there, I mean, there were, I mean, it was there though. Those, those things with the, with with that, with mate, with between, mm. with fabulous Moolah, and the, and and they didn't go with it, mm. yeah. which is which is which, which is fine, you know. When all those allegations on on Moolah were starting to come out, fans had an uproar. Mm. You know, when when you read about the things that were going on, you know, Moolah you know, taking their money, prostituting the women out, the, the female wrestlers and things like that. Terrible. You, I, you, another heat magnet, I would say, uh, WCW's Hardbody Harris, who's serving life in jail. Ooh, wow, I have not heard this. Okay, so Hardbody Harris was more of a talent enhancement for world championship wrestling. Do you remember when Matt Cardona was Zack Ryder in ECW? He had the one long leg pant, and then on the other, it was there was nothing there. Hardbody Harris wore leggings like that. That's what his spandex was. It was one one leg as a full tight, and then the other was bare. And Zack Ryder had the same thing in ECW for for a while. Hardbody Harris would end up being let go by WCW. I don't remember what year, to be honest. It was definitely during the Attitude Era. And he got into boxing. And at the time, there was a boxing promotion for amateurs. And it was on television, this and that. And he actually won like the championship for it. I think it was like a year or two later, it was discovered that he was uh, grooming women, held them hostage in his house, was pimping them out. He would say, hey, look, come train with me. You can stay at my house and this and that. And just basically held them hostage. And there was quite a few women involved in this that, that this had happened to. He had gotten caught and he ended up getting life in prison. Good. Yeah, so there's a lot of shady things within the wrestling business that we've seen, but a lot of it came out in 2020 with the speaking out movement. Again, like we mm -hmm. said, Joey Ryan had the most allegations on him. Uh, Michael Eglin, he had allegations on him. Uh, he, he denied it, did a video denying it. You know, Joey Ryan has issued several lawsuits on his end. But I have seen stuff from Michael Elgin recently as well. Yes, well, Michael Elgin had had come out and said that in in tweets that basically he is being paid to sit at home until his contract runs out in July. Who is his contract with? It's with Impact Wrestling. They never let him go. He's been paid to sit at home throughout his entire contract, and he did. I, I believe it was Michael Elgin that had issues where I think he went missing and there might've been suicidal thoughts where he wanted to end his life at one point as well. If I remember correctly. I think you're correct. I vaguely remember, but, but I also think 
him post tweets or post something where he's posted evidence. I'm not sure that this is 100% correct, but he's posted evidence or something to prove his innocence. Yeah. And that he isn't as bad of a person that everyone made him out to be. Yeah, I mean, and there were guys out there like him that had evidence that this is not what happened. You're not getting the full story. I'm a firm believer there's three sides to every story. Yeah. Their Absolutely. side, the wrestler's side, the person who's claiming the allegations, and then the truth. Yep. Absolutely. You know, for a lot of them, like with Joey Ryan, a lot of these allegations now for, for every wrestler that we could name, you don't hear anything about anymore. Like, uh, TJP came out with allegations of an older female taking advantage of him when he was 15. Mm. That one was kind of swept under the rug because it's a guy being taken advantage of by a female instead of a guy taking advantage of a female. It was vice versa. Yeah. It was a female taking advantage of him. You know, so we see a lot of this and certain ones were dropped rather quickly or not cared about. And I felt like TJP was one of those those victims where he wasn't listened to because, well, you're a guy. How can you be taken advantage of? There's guys taking advantage of guys. There's girls taking advantage of girls. All that stuff happens on a daily basis. But this movement like really opened a lot of people's eyes yeah. to the dark side of wrestling. And mm. I'll be curious if we ever see a dark side of the ring episode on the speaking out allegations kind of like how yeah you know kind of like how on dark side of the ring the plane ride from hell mm. that bro that broke out more stuff that was a beautiful segue <laughs> yeah you know thank you um from kurt henning brock lesnar sean waltman Rest in peace, Scott Hall. Yeah. Ric Flair. But it was the episode that Dark Side of the Ring aired about the plane ride from hell. And it was Ric Flair and Tommy Dreamer that took the brunt of what had happened. Mm. Ric Flair had sexual allegations on him from the plane ride from hell, from getting naked in his robe and exposing himself to pinning a female flight attendant up against a wall, you know, swinging his Johnson and everything like that while in the robe. And this is all on a flight with, with female flight attendants, female wrestlers on board, including Linda McMahon, who mm. apparently almost got urinated on by PS Michael Hayes. But Ric Flair took the brunt because it was a sexual assault. Mm. Understandable. Uh, he had denied it, but when you had so many people on that show saying this is what happened, you, it's, that's kind of hard to deny at that point. He did have someone stick up for him who ended up getting suspended from Busted Open Radio, Impact Wrestling, which was Tommy Dreamer. You know, well, Tommy Dreamer... My understanding is he still works for Impact Wrestling. He's just not on camera anymore. 
Yeah, they, they they had suspended him for the wrestling side, but yeah, he's he's still with Impact, and I believe he's just recently been brought back, but more of like behind the scenes type deal. Yeah, yeah. So, I think it's not that he was standing up for Ric Flair; it's more he made light of a joke or something, and it was his comments. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was it, more specifically a comment. I can't remember specifically what it was about. He compared something to like chopping off his ponytail. Yeah, and, and he had also said, it's Ric Flair. The man's got a big you-know-what. The man can swing it if he wants to swing it. He said something along those lines, and he compared what Ric Flair did to having his, his hair cut. And I was like, nah, those are two totally different things. Mm-hmm. But he got in tr- but Tommy got in trouble for his comments. And that that was it. Um, Ric Flair got a lot of heat over the sexual assault. We do know, though, that the you know the the flight attendants and stuff like that did sue WWE and settle out of court. Um, and it's all public record too that that anyone can look up about it. It's just there were certain aspects of this that we didn't know as a kid when this happened i say a kid i think it was like 17 or 18 um i didn't know about rick flair exposing himself on the flight i had known about mr perfect kurt henning and brock lesnar wrestling with each other and almost opening the the security door when he got slammed into it which seemingly would have been a huge hit to WWE with losing all those talents because you, you, you're not at 30,000 feet. You're not closing that door. Mm. Um, and I remember hearing some other things like Sean Waltman cutting PS Michael Hayes's hair, you know, things like that. Probably I didn't know, of that, but that was funny. Yeah. And I knew that there in, 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 I knew alcohol had been involved. Mm. But Sean had then said at the time there was a drug that other wrestlers were on GHB. Yeah. You know? And at the time it was legal. I don't know much about that drug. But, um, and it was an open bar apparently on the flight. And if, if you know wrestlers, anything involving bar, alcohol, booze, it should not have been an, an open bar. There probably should have been no alcohol served on the flight. Yeah, exactly. So it's just an invitation for trouble. Yeah. And we know Ric Flair's a partier. We know a lot of wrestlers are partiers, but being honest. And Flair took a lot of the heat on this one. And it was it was the sexual allegations which caused it. If he didn't do what he had done. And had just like partied like the rest of them, not getting naked, strutting in his robe, swinging his Johnson around, pinning a flight attendant up against the wall. It's like um, Rick Flair entered Bray Mode before Bray Mode was Bray Mode. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and, and fans out there, we're not being insensitive when we've laughed. It's just. Yes, we've made a couple of jokes, but like calling Patrick Clark Patrick Starr and laugh, laughing 
that's we're not being insensitive it's just you know we just i want to clarify that we're not we're not being insensitive about this at all and we're not trying to make any limelight of the situations but we're not even taking the piss out of them for that we're taking the piss out of me for me not being able to what in my defense it's currently 3 10 a.m in the morning yeah it's late for you (laughs) so i get it that's my defense so fans if you're just catching in ben is in australia he is the aussie lucian podcast where can fans uh find find all your stuff social media links the brand is aussie lucian i'm on two podcasts um mining for mayhem which is part of the aussie lucian brand the other one down under impact is part of the wednesday night wallop brand so you can find mining for mayhem on youtube and social media on social media wow youtube and twitter under at aussie lucian i'm on instagram you can find um down under impact if you go looking for wednesday night wallop at wn wallop on twitter i believe it's the same on instagram i don't have um the YouTube on off the top of my head. Uh, I got brought into that by Ryland, who's basically the leader of Wednesday Night Wallop, and that he's on. You can find him on Twitter at ryam sports report, and that all basically leads to everything down under impact and everything Wednesday Night Wallop wise. Mining for mayhem, it's all Aussie pollution. But yeah, it's what did we say? Three ten a.m. Yeah, it's three ten a.m. for you. This episode was like a spare of the moment, last minute. It would have been about mid. It wasn't even midnight when we planned this. Yeah, I'd come off. I'd come off a shift. I got home about ten thirty um, p.m. I'd actually been working since seven a.m. yesterday morning. <laughs> yeah, and for me, it's so, it's one twelve p.m. here in New York, and. Yeah. My shift yesterday was 3 p.m. to 3 a.m. I didn't go to bed till 6 a.m. So when we were messaging each other about doing this show, for me, it was like 9, 10 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. You know? It sounds like we both had big days. I've been been awake since... I got woken up by my boss 6.30 yesterday morning. So I've... What's math 24... Currently, approximately 21 hours awake off of, with a 15-hour shift in between. So fatigue is our excuse for having a good laugh. Not taking yeah. a piss or whatever you want to call it. Just- yeah. I just, I just I wanted to clarify to fans so they know. We're not being insensitive to the topics. We take it very seriously. It's just when you come off of 12, 15, 18-hour shifts – your brain your, your brain's not functioning fully right and then we we very quickly designed this show because we thought that we had a, a great idea here with with heat magnet who yeah. creates who who in wrestling has created heat and why it and, came together off um heat bingo which all credit to marie for the her bingo thing that she does 
Yeah, we got to give credit to, to Marie Shadows. Uh, go check her out on social media at Marie Shadows. She has a great podcast as well. If you like New Japan Pro Wrestling, she's also part of Tama Tonga's Island Podcast. So make sure you go check out all her work. And Marie, thanks for the idea. Um, obviously, we can't play Heat Bingo with just two of us. So we, we decided to come up with Heat Magnet. Who's drawn Heat this week and why? Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Perched on the Top Rope. You can find us anywhere and everywhere podcasts are found from Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Red, Red Circle, Podbean, Podbay, anywhere podcasts are found. We're also on Chartable's Top 250 in multiple countries. America, oh, yeah. Great Britain, Canada, Australia, we thank you. Germany, Good job, Ireland, bro. and last week we were actually number one in Indonesia. So thank you. Thank you for all of you guys who listen to us out there. Just remember, spoiler freeze, the way to beat. Ben, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule for joining us today. Fans, remember, make sure you go check out Ben and all his podcasts. I will have all the links in the description so that you can go check out his work as well. Fans, thank you. In my lifetime, I've learned. Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do.